0: well mike taylor welcome to the journey and uh let me uh, let me just mention a couple things about the journey and 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 what this whole uh show is about it's it's primarily about uh capturing just ordinary people as they talk about their story that throughout their life that maybe they've had Either obstacles in their life, and and what did they learn um, as they persevered through those obstacles, or how they maybe at different times saw themselves uh, failing forward, um, and then and then most importantly, how did they? What did they learn from that? And then how are they giving back? And how are they, uh, you know, maybe being being there for for other people and and as they recreate themselves and I know we just actually just met a few days ago through a, through a mutual friend so uh, yeah. so so welcome to welcome to the journey I'm looking forward to getting to know you a little bit more yeah so uh, so so my or Matt before we get started uh kind c- of fill me in a little uh what is it that you do when you have an opportunity to have fun what do you do for fun?
1: Yeah, so what I do full-time is that I'm a YouTube content creator. I have a channel called You Can Uke. It's been a channel that I've been working on since May of 2017. And uh, it's definitely received a large following now. I have over 35 million views and 427,000 subscribers. And it's given me an opportunity to reach people all over the world, teaching them how to play the ukulele. And um, also, I provide song covers on my channel each week so that people can play along with the songs i teach um it's it's been a really big blessing to be able to stay at home all the time now with my kids you know i have three girls and a wife and it's just been it's been really nice to uh, in a sense be my own boss and and be able to do youtube full-time uh for fun i mean i still love music whether it's on the camera or off the camera but there's some other things that i like to do you know i'll I'll play sports. I love to run. I love to work out, especially, and just keep myself in good physical form. I feel like staying fit physically also helps me in a mental and a spiritual aspect as well. They're all kind of connected together. And then I also love playing with my kids. I love traveling, going to spontaneous locations. Sometimes we'll go to a new park that we've never been to before. Sure. Um, So But yeah, a lot of it's just like spending time with the family. And then I also get a lot of energy from just socializing, being around people. I'm kind of an extrovert or a social butterfly, if you will. And even meeting people that are new, meeting people for the first time, Like having this interaction between you and I, I really enjoy this because uh, it gives me a chance to get to know another story uh, and even to have an opportunity to tell my story and whatever I've learned uh, that might benefit them or someone else. Uh, so that's what I like to do for fun.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Well,
1: well, why don't we kind of just,
0: why don't we just kind of jump into that? So so Matt, are you from the Rockford area?
1: I didn't grow up in Rockford. I actually moved here three years ago because oh, wow. I came to work at a church uh, in Rockford called Line, okay. And I actually grew up in Arizona, but I was born, the journey of my life, I was born in Chicago, moved to Arizona, grew up there. And then moved back to Illinois for a church job in two thousand seventeen. Gotcha. Okay. And and
0: so uh, so when you were in when you were in high school right in Arizona that sounds like you were in Arizona what or or middle school whatever what uh, like what types of like if we were gonna take a take a snapshot of you back then what was Matt like at that time growing up?
1: Yeah, I think I was. I grew up very sheltered. Uh, and I love my parents. I grew up in a Christian household. I just never really learned how to make decisions for myself okay and so there was a lot of things that i that I even had to learn like g- going into like being married uh, and stuff like that. But back when I was in middle school and high school, I was always busy with something, whether it was being academically busy, uh, being busy through sports I, I did a lot of sports in high school. I did a lot of musical ventures too, like piano lessons. I did choir, I did marching band and jazz band. So I had a, just a very packed schedule. I almost feel like I never had a chance to uh, rest and I was always like performing for someone um, that, and that was, just, that was kind of like the lifestyle that I lived My my family. Also they're kind of a performance esque type of uh, family. My dad grew up playing music. And he actually would have uh, been side to a major record label a few decades ago, but he decided to forego that dream to start a family. And, and I'm the firstborn, you know, so he, he left his dream to be my dad. Okay. And so in a sense, like I kind of received the torch, if you will, of, of his musical dream. Um, so, yeah, just always performing all the time. Very busy. Um, and then, you know, in the spiritual side of things, like like I grew up in church, but it was never something that I took seriously. I mean, I was always on my best behavior and that was kind of like what my parents wanted me to be is it's like at home, I was a little bit more rowdy and wild, but at church, it was just be on my best behavior and, uh, just in a way, look, look good, you know, cause it, cause then it also reflects them too. Um, but after high school, when I went to college, I kind of just said, I'm my own person, and I stopped going to church for a little bit, and, and I actually resented church too. So exactly. it was very shallow. I didn't really have a relationship with Jesus growing up. Gotcha. So,
0: so I just did a talk um on uh dualistic thinking versus non-dualistic thinking. Some of this kind of this tribalism versus kind of uh, uh evolving into, you know, other otherness, you know, otherism. And um in, in a piece of what I was talking about, and maybe you can reflect on this, is that we we start off our parents and and the and you being the oldest so it was your parents and the people that your parents had you around they 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 formulate that 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 bedrock that that foundational or that construction phase of our life right and so it's it's those those you know those values that we have and then at some point we we leave that and we go into our own journey of of okay, are we going to completely take on everything they've said, or are we going to start deconstructing that because we see some things that don't fit for us or they don't, they don't fit it for this generation or whatever. And in the restlessness of that, um, which is, which is kind of a scary face to going through. And it's, and it's weird. We can go all over the place and get caught up in things or whatever, but at some point we, we will evolve out of that and it's a reconstruction phase and so we take some of the stuff that's <clears throat> in phase 1 with some of the mix in stage 2 to hopefully evolve into something that's even than even greater and it sounds like you may have had a little bit of a little bit of that yourself um what what uh your the experience i mean obviously you 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 understood the expectation that you were supposed to be be appropriate, be good, you know, all those types of things, uh, be respectful and all that. Uh, was Was it a particular denomination um, that your parents attended when you were younger? Or,
1: Yeah, I grew up in a Pentecostal denomination. I grew up in the Assemblies of God. Okay. and I mean, even growing up in that type of environment was kind of weird for me uh, because there was just a lot of, <laughs> there was a lot of things going on it, it, during that um I guess, experience, you know, when people would gather for our services, there'd be like speaking in tongues. And sometimes we would have people that would go up to the altar to get prayed for. And then they would just fall to the floor and get what what they call slain in the spirit. And I just, I really didn't understand like what all that meant. Um, I didn't even understand like if that was biblically right or not. Um, And then there was another aspect where I was afraid to even bring friends to church because I knew that they were going to see that and there was just going to, they wouldn't have any idea what's going on. I was going to scare them away. Um, so like that kind of stuff, you know, um, there, I mean, there's still aspects to it to this day where I'm like, I, you know, I, it, there might be some authentic experiences that people might have had in those gatherings, but it's just, for the most part, I always thought it was just like for show, you know, or um, you know, I was also growing up. I felt like this pressure where I had to do these certain things like if I were to go up to the altar, you know there was I felt like I had this expectation on me that I needed to fall on the floor and be slain in the spirit, or I need to, you know, if I get prayed for, if I go to the altar, someone is expecting me at the altar to like just start speaking in tongues, and it was just so it was so hard to develop a really authentic relationship with Jesus um, because of those certain pressures. So yeah, when I left uh, when when I when I graduated high school and started college, I really kind of took a hard look at myself and was like really reevaluating like do I really believe in this stuff mm-hmm. uh, I even had people in because so I, so I went to a junior college in my freshman year and I, I remember having a chemistry class and I, for some reason you know I, I, I would bring my bible with me because I I, I I thought in hindsight now but looking back I thought I believed in Jesus but I really was like just trying to perform for Jesus I was trying to like read my bible and pray but i didn't really like think of it as like communicating with god it was more of like i need to check these things off my list like read my bible get that done out of the way you know uh but i would bring my bible to college and the person that sat next to me in my chemistry uh, class looked over at my desk and saw this bible and he said oh you read the bible uh well what about this you know bible says that people were you know israelites were killing other people in the old testament like what do you think about that? Why would God allow people? I just didn't know. I didn't know any of the answers. I, I didn't. There's a lot of questions that this atheist next to me was asking me that I just didn't know how to respond to. Uh, and, and that was kind of like the point where I really need to reevaluate. Do I really believe in this stuff? Do I, should I adopt all the things I was taught growing up in my church?
0: Right. So that's kind of the deconstruction phase that I was just referring to. And, and, and a lot of times it does happen if it doesn't happen as we grow in, in that first phase, in the, in the tribe, in the, then, then we definitely when we're away at college or we move for the military, whatever the reasons why we may step away from the physical environment, um, we're going to take some of that. We obviously are going to take it with us at first because that's all we know. Um, But then things start challenging it or, or expose us to a bigger broader type of thing, right? And yeah. so, so where did you end up going to school after the junior college? Where'd you go to college?
1: So I transferred to a Bible college called Arizona Christian University. Okay. And it was actually a really pivotal point in my life that I transferred there. I was actually supposed to transfer to um, Arizona State University to study music. But at that point in my life, it just wasn't the right fit for me. Uh, not that I couldn't have excelled there, it's just um, from from an academic standpoint, it's just I had actually recently become, uh, I, I would say, a true Christian, someone that actually uh, has an authentic relationship with God. It was after my freshman year, uh, you know, after that deconstruction phase and figuring out like, what do I believe? Um, so reason why I didn't go to Arizona State University is because their music college is one of the top-notch um, music uh, schools in the country. It's very competitive. And for me, I'm, I'm very competitive by nature. And I know that it wouldn't have been a good good environment for me to develop my relationship with Jesus. Um, it's also considered a party school. And I just knew that that wasn't the type of environment that I wanted to place myself in. So I had somebody else that was going to Arizona Christian University and they reached out to me and said, hey, you should really consider studying music here. You know, you can get your Bible degree, uh, and so I majored in I majored in music and got a minor in biblical studies there, uh, and it was just great for helping me actually start like developing my relationship with Jesus. Okay. Um, yeah,
0: and and for some people, right, that they, you know, some of the listeners, they may not fully, you know, some people are going to go, and know exactly what you mean when you talk about that. Others, it's going to be more of a broad sense of spiritual development right and 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 versus just going because you are being obedient to parents and because you're following what what the group norm is now this was a different because you could have gone anywhere or gone nowhere right in this yeah. but there was something that was pulling you into that spiritual development that that then became uh, developing a deeper understanding of what it is to be a follower of Christ
1: yeah i I just know that before I became a true believer, I, I was just always seeking to prove, uh, you know, perform for people. And I think that's, I think that's why I, I didn't grow in my relationship. With, I don't, I don't think that's why I had like a relationship with Jesus. Cause I was all about just performing and I needed to get away from that type of mindset. Um, and then at the same time, like I was just, re rewiring my mind about what the Bible says and how do I interpret it? And I knew that I could, I, I could get help there going to this Bible college and, and like, just figuring out like, how do I interpret the Bible correctly? Um, and how will that even affect the way that I, you know, continue going to church and choosing like what my, you know, I guess fellowship would be. Um, right. But it was, ve- it was, it was, you know, a very pivotal point in my life. And I'm, I'm glad I, decided to go the biblical college route rather than the you know the liberal arts uh, university sure
0: well and again it, it sounds like and this happens a lot of times is it sounds like because the first phase right that there 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 was it was laid out for you right and 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 you know the maybe the the road markers were pretty close together and 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 you you could navigate through that without necessarily even even having your own thoughts about what you were going to do it was this was what was the map that was already laid out for you
1: yeah i I mean i remember actually when i told my dad that i was going to go to arizona christian university it wasn't something that he was a big fan of i mean because he he didn't look at the school as a, a legit college where you could, you know, r- really get a good music education. Mm. Um, I mean, it's much smaller. And then it, like, think about it this way, if you, if you had the chance to go to Harvard to study law or go to, you know, a, a really small school that nobody's ever heard of to study law, and you walk away from Harvard and you decide to go to the smaller school, like, that's, that's almost, like, the scale. I mean, it sounds a little bit more, like, exaggerated, but in a sense, Arizona State University has just a top-notch music school. Um, and I decided to reject that, to go to some smaller, you know, like, unidentifiable, biblical school. Um, so he wasn't, he wasn't a big fan of that. But I, I – at the same time, this was me saying, like, no – I know that this is a decision I need to make for myself. And I'm not, I, I, I'm not I, like, I'm not going to carry my dad's dream. Like I know what is right for
0: me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so so, my, you know, a lot of my backstory is, is studying men's psychology and, and the, and the initiation process of boyhood to manhood and, and that piece and it. And, and what you just said, not knowing you may not know what, that you just said it but that is a critical step that a boy when he when he recognizes that he has to consciously reject his father's dream so that he can then go and pursue and f- find and pursue his own dream uh that's a critical step in crossing over that threshold and then and then with your backstory of saying that you had very much and were good at performance and 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 obviously got the validation and affirmation of pleasing people, right. By performing uh, that must've been a huge step. That must've been a pretty uh, either courageous step or, you know, <laughs> to be able to do that because um, I, I, on a smaller scale, I remember a similar situation. My dad played college football at Iowa state and got injured and back in the 60s, if you got injured, pretty much it was taken away from you. And he went back to the farm and then ended up working in the factories the rest of his life. And he wanted me to pursue that dream of playing playing football in college. Yeah. And I was done. I I wanted to continue competing as a bodybuilder. And I remember that se- my senior year, it, it felt like it was every night we were debating or arguing over that um, uh, but I knew that it was something that I couldn't really compromise. Um,
1: yeah. I, you know, there's been a lot of areas where my dad and I have debated certain things, even, even like what we believe now they're not, I not want to say the polar opposites, but you know, they're, they're different. You know, he still kind of believes in the things that I grew up with and, you know, I've, I've developed my own sense of faith in Jesus. Um, and I, I just know that there was a part of me also saying that I've never really had the chance to make my own decisions for myself, you know, growing up. And I mean, in a sense, I I might've also been like a decision of defiance. like, no, I know what I want. I never had a chance to do anything of my own, you know, volition. So this is a decision I'm making for myself. Um, And I I was just, I just really was hungry for it. I was really hungry for um, when I say it, I mean, I was really hungry for it, like wanting to uh, grow in a deeper sense in my relationship with Jesus. And I, it was just, I was just very, uh, I was very sure that it wasn't going to be at this liberal arts college where I was going to transfer to. Um, So, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, like my, my allegiance goes to Jesus, even above my own family. And that's, that's the decision that I knew I had to make. Sure. Sure. So if, and, and maybe just give
0: us and if it's possible, right? There was something that went from, you know, obviously what you grew up with and and knowing what you were supposed to do, stand up, sit down, you know, what you were supposed to do regarding certain things to sitting in that chemistry class and that individual asking you questions that you did, you recognized pretty quickly that he knew more about the Bible than you did, or at least a deeper sense of it, right, Of of those questions. What was that, what do you think was for you that turning point, and it may not have been an event, obviously, but what was the turning point that was like, I want to, I want to, to, to know more and continue pursuing developing this relationship?
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a very complex story. Um, I think part of the reason why I turned away from the way that I grew up you know, uh, the, even even adopting the beliefs that I grew up with in church uh, was one, because I was being challenged with things I didn't know about um, regarding the Bible. Uh, and two, you know, I actually was involved with a person in college um, like I, I had a relationship with a girl and it was, it was, it was a girl that wasn't good for me. I mean, she wasn't a, the type of person that would help me to understand more about who Jesus is. Um, and there was just a lot of dumb decisions I made with her. And it, it got to a point, cause my, my parents knew I was getting involved with this girl and they didn't like her. Uh, and anyway, it got to a point where um, like I wanted to move out of my house to live with this girl. Um, so I just couldn't stand being around my parents any longer. Uh, couldn't stand them always holding my <laughs> Um, I I wanted to be in this relationship too. Part of it was because my parents wouldn't ever allow me to date growing up. And it was just like one of those decisions I wanted to make for myself because I I felt like I was an adult by that point, you know. Um, But I I was seeing how this relationship was actually messing me up. And it was like growing up, uh, going through college too, um, I had my own band. I had a band. We recorded uh, a, a few uh, like singles and an EP. And we we were getting booked for some really crazy places. Like we actually got to play at the Talking Stick Resort, which is where the Phoenix Suns play, right? Wow. Um, we were landing some gigs and getting involved with some recording labels. And uh, the thing that messed up that whole vibe with the band was this girl. This girl um, was the reason why my band split up my band members were saying just how bad this girl was for me and how she was really like taking more of my attention away from me, like being fully invested uh, in the band and, and, you know, being effective as a leader of the band. And so it it really, that relationship like kind of ruined me my freshman year of of college. And I, so I kind of hit like a rock bottom where, you know, you have this dream that's escalating. You kind of see, you're seeing it open up more and more. And then all of a sudden it all like drops. And the person that you're left with is this girl who is kind of like the, um, you know, the reason why it, it, all the dreams have kind of faded out. And I mean, it, it's not entirely her fault because I chose to be with her. I chose to engage with her in the ways I did my freshman year of college. But I, I knew at that point, like, I, I couldn't go on living my life like this. Um, and, and, like, even in that time of my life, I had, you know, in a way, like, decided to, to like, not pursue Jesus. Um, so I knew that once I left that relationship, like, the only way up is, you know, really taking a, a closer look at my relationship with God um, and, and what does having a true relationship with him look like he was he was basically like essentially the only hope that i had at that point of my uh of my life
0: okay so so it's interesting because that is that element of what people refer to as hitting a bottom or you know everything's going a certain way and it's and it's then it then it stops right and and it's and it's it's definitely out of it's out of reach and seems to be fading and recognizing that uh, and then of course obviously the pain of of loneliness the pain of a relationship ending which is just a natural first first time you know going through all that that's all first times you know I shouldn't just say first time it happens anytime you invest in something or somebody Um, okay so that makes sense that that then a part of the gap was this isn't what it wasn't what you had growing up, but there was a sense that there was something more than what you had growing up. This, that, you know, it wasn't that you didn't believe in God. It was just, you needed to get a new perspective of it. And like you said, a a new relationship with it, not just a performance relationship, but a authentic relationship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say so. Um, And yeah, I, again, I, 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 growing up, I would try to read my Bible. I would try to pray, but there wasn't like anything um, that I, I didn't feel any deep sense of connection with Jesus. It was like I was just trying to get through, you know, like reading reading an assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the the difference between that point in my life and you know after I left my freshman year of college uh, to pursue biblical studies is I like I had a hunger to actually want to know god more through the scripture mm-hmm. um, and i knew i could get it at that bible college Sure, sure. So, so then kind of fast forwarding, you,
0: you, you, obviously you're, you're married uh, three, three, three girls, just as we said. So, so tell us a little bit about what you discovered at, at ACU and then, um, and then how'd you meet your wife and then kind of, kind of fast forward to bring us to where, where you're at now and how obviously your family and being at home is, is yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. And then obviously coming back to Rockford.
1: Sure. So, I actually started a Bible study group and it wasn't associated with a church. It wasn't associated with the college. It was just, um, my uh, junior year of college. I just wanted to continue growing and learning the word. And so I decided to get together with some friends and we would meet at this coffee shop and we studied the Bible. And anyway, I I share that to say that I remember during that year of my uh, time in college, um, our my my college we would have like these tours that we would uh, put on for prospect students people that were thinking about coming to the college and my wife's sister her name is abby she was actually considering coming to arizona christian and uh, i mean we didn't know each other at the time but she was on this tour and the end of the tour landed in the student union and i was in the student union just studying uh, after that tour was over, this girl Abby just comes up to me, and you know, not knowing me, but she she wanted to really get my perspective of what it's like to be um, at the college. Um, so she asked me a few questions, and we started engaging in a little bit more dialogue about you know our upbringing, what we believe um, in a biblical sense, and there are just some things that were lining up. And then I, I said, hey, you know what? You should consider coming to my Bible study. I think it'd be really great. So I invited Abby to my Bible study, and the reason why I'm laughing is because uh um she had told her sister Ida, which is my wife, Ida is my wife. and uh, Abby had told her about this guy she had met that she's you know going to this Bible study that he's leading, and <laughs> Ida was very protective of her. Uh in fact Abby had just gotten out of a relationship with a guy and and now that she's gravitating to a new person, a new guy, uh she wanted to see who this person is all about. So Abby came to Bible study and Ida also showed up um actually she showed up um after the Bible study, after after this the you know the Bible study session, I would invite all of the people that attended to my house. We would have you know snacks and play games and stuff like that. It was just kind of like a hangout time. And that's where Ida showed up. And I just remember feeling like this intense pressure from her, like almost um, like she, she was very intimidating, you know, just the vibe that she gave off uh, and just wanting to know, like, what am I about? I even remember that there was a guy that attended my Bible study uh, that was at my house. And he was showing all of us his portfolio of paintings and drawings, and my wife, um, Ida, she is also a painter. She's an artist, and she's done stuff professionally. She's judged a few art shows, and anyway, so at the time, uh, my friend was asking her, "Hey, what do you think about my portfolio?" Um, and you know, she was really hesitant to tell him because uh, she had his, she had her own opinion, but he kept kept asking and asking and so she finally just kind of laid it to him straight what she thought of it and it it was like i don't want to say harsh criticism but i mean the way i received it was like who is this girl judging my friend like you don't even know him and she's you know kind of being in 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 a sense um <clears throat> like a little harsh towards him so my first impression of ida was that she's just this a very uh, intimidating person, you know, very strong-willed. But from there, uh, we, we, she began to, you know, come back to my Bible studies and I got a chance to get to know her a little bit more and, you know, soon found out that she also loves music. She, you know, leads worship at her church uh, that she was going to at the time. And I was also involved with leading worship um, at a church. And so it was, it was, it was kind of like this collaborative opportunity for us to like lead worship together. Uh, I actually invited her to come lead at this church that I was uh, interning at, at the time. And then she invited me to come lead worship at her church. And I just remember the feeling of kind of doing it together. Uh, Like there was just a spark there. And we, we both were not dating anybody at that time. We both were choosing to be single and we didn't even want to tell each other that we were attracted to each other. But, um, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stories I can tell you, but just to kind of fast forward, you know, after a few months of getting to know each other, there, there came a point where, um, <laughs> I wrecked her car. Um, and it, it's always a good opening, right? <laughs> uh, it is. It is. Honestly. Uh, I got in a car accident with her, with her car. She, you know, she, uh, allowed me to drive her, in her car home and uh, I, I totaled her vehicle um, and <laughs> my sister was with us too uh, but she ended up in the hospital wasn't in wasn't really injured it was just stiff from the impact but it was at the hospital where I got really nervous because I didn't know if Ida was going to sue me I didn't know if this was like the end of our relate of our friendship but um, I just remember that night just this like tug in my heart thinking like I should tell her that I like her because the next day she was actually going to fly out for a mission trip and be gone for like three months out of the year. And, you know, I, I just felt like if there's an opportunity to like express how much I look, really like this girl and how much she's been so beneficial to me for, you know, like the way she challenges me to grow my relationship with God, um, I wanted to let her know. And so I did. And I ended up finding out that she really liked me too. And we spent the next three months while she was away on a mission trip, Skyping each other and asking each other more, uh, deep questions, you know, personal questions, um, questions that even linked to, you know, what do we think about marriage? And, uh, I think it was pretty clear to both of us that we were going to be married. So, and we didn't get married right, right away, but, uh, we dated, with the intent of marriage in front of us. So, um, but yeah, that was, that was like my junior year of, uh, of college when that happened. And then by the time I reached my senior year, I was already working part-time at a church. We got married, um, before the last semester of my, uh, my senior year before I graduated. And, um, and even then, that was like a decision that I had to, that we had to make apart from the will of my parents because my my parents wanted me to graduate college before I got married. But it was kind of the flip. It was we got married and then I you know finished the last semester of college and and there was there was kind of some you know tension there be, between my relationship with my parents and and us uh, the fact that we made that decision. But um, uh, and then that last semester of college, I, I moved into a full-time position at a big church in Arizona, about 8,000 people. And I was, I became one of the uh, worship pastors there. And I ended up, I, I started up as the student worship pastor for the student ministries and then transitioned into being a worship pastor for one of their three campuses. And then, you know, before, like by the end of my, my time there, Uh, I I was brought back to the main campus and uh, was primarily like the Saturday night, uh, like worship leader kind of role. So, uh, and that was like all within my college career. So it's been pretty crazy. Yeah, okay. that's a, that's a pretty uh, quick, quick,
0: quick acceleration,
1: right? Uh, a lot, a lot yeah. of pieces.
0: Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and, and so just kind of fast forward to where you're at now, obviously you make a transition to Rockford. You have an opportunity to work in a startup church at, at Stateline where you do, were you the worship leader at Stateline when you came up to Stateline?
1: Yeah, I was the main worship pastor. And okay. I mean, the reason why I, I transitioned from my former church in Arizona to Stateline Line was I just thought that it would give me more opportunity to use all the different talents and gifts that I have. Um, You know, at the mega church I worked in in Arizona, we had a lot of staff. I think we had like 250 people. And so everybody had their own lane. And, you know, I was like, I felt like I, I did a decent job at my role, but I just didn't feel like I was being challenged enough. Um, And I knew I had more to offer. I just didn't have the opportunities to really be, really be able to use my gift. So I actually looked to Illinois because it's where I was born. And I thought it could be a cool idea to move back to Illinois. Um, and so I started looking at some churches and I found State Stateline. Um, I actually came upon some kind of like ad too that was like an advertisement with their uh, like video of, the lead pastor Greg talking about the vision and what state line is all about. And I just remember watching that video and thinking like, okay, I really love what this church is providing. I mean, they're all about relationships and um, you know, like cultivating authentic community. That's, that's kind of like the type of church I was looking for. Um, and so I reached out to the guys at state line and it, it was like a two to three month process of, you know, us having multiple conversations and flying my family and I out to just check it out and lead, yes, lead worship, um, on a weekend there. And, you know, we really took our time. We didn't want to just make a swift decision. We wanted to really also feel like we could connect with Rockford. And so when we came here just to visit, like there was a lot that we loved about Rockford. Um, the only parts that we didn't like was the fact that we'd have to move away from our family. But I think it actually has made us stronger and has allowed us to recreate ourselves and and even be more established as our own kind of clan. So, uh, but we really loved Rockford and it was just, it was pretty clear to both of us that this is where God was leading us. So we, we moved, we packed up everything, moved to Rockford and state line is, you know, I'm not there anymore, but it truly is, like the best church i've ever worked for and i've worked for i want to say three to four different churches so Mm -hmm. um it's it's got a really unique environment and i'm just really really glad that i was able to contribute to cultivating a culture there where anybody could just walk right in and feel like they belonged
0: Sure. Well, let me, uh, let me ask you here. I'm going to put you on the spot for a second about uh, uh, because you said something I've been, I've been born and raised in Rockford and spent the majority of my life here. So, so when I have someone who, 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 who's chosen to come to Rockford in, in their decision as a, as an adult, young adult coming there to, as a professional to come here. And then you say all the things that you love about Rockford. So give it, give us like three, three plugs about what, what things that you and your wife uh, found that you loved about Rockford.
1: Yeah, I think, well, I mean, there's a lot to say, but the things that come to mind is, well, we love the scenery, love the changes in the seasons. I mean, there's no place like Rockford in the fall. Arizona is always hot. And, I mean, there's there's points where we do miss Arizona, you know, when it's really bitter cold here, but uh, there's it's just beautiful. You know, even seeing the rivers and, you know, being able to go to, like, a lake nearby, you, you would have to drive at least two hours to get to some kind of, like, In Arizona from Phoenix where I lived Um, so everything is just pretty close together and the scenes the scenery is the the change in the seasons it's it's very refreshing Um, we also uh, love Rockford simply because uh, like again the church state line it it was a really neat uh, community that we had there Um, I mean at the time that we moved here we didn't know anybody but when we at least knew, you know, for a little bit like Greg and Tyler, the pastors that worked there and they were just very welcoming to us. And and so we felt like if we moved here that we were going to have people that would take care of us and, you know, even kind of be a bridge to helping us find new people and, and kind of establishing our own sphere of influence. So, um, and then the other piece was, uh, um, I I love how family driven this area is. You know, there seems to be a lot of family values out here. Uh, It's almost very communal. Um, And if you, if you go to Arizona, if you live in Phoenix, everybody is pretty transient there. I don't want to say everybody, but a majority of Phoenix is transient. You You have people moving in and out all the time. You don't, you don't really have people who have been established in Phoenix for generations upon generations. And it's, it's kind of more of a, you know, uh, a white collar, uh, independent type of environment where you're kind of like your own person and it, it doesn't really feel like a communal type of uh, area in the world. So, Rockford, I mean, you have people from their great grandfathers on and on and on down to, you know, their great grandkids who have spent their lives in Rockford. And um, I mean, even the fact that we don't have a fence between our neighbors and us, I mean, uh, there there aren't a whole lot of houses uh, outside of the retired communities in Arizona where, you know, like the houses for the most part are separated by fences. So we just kind of like how open people are um, in Rockford. It it definitely has a communal feel. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, it's been nice to enjoy being here perfect
0: well let me I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you one 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 more question here and and I know it's, it's gonna be way bigger than than we're gonna today hopefully you'll know, have time to grasp about it. so if you're open to it, I'd love to have you come back on and and sure. talk about this other, this other piece but you had said something earlier that um, that you essentially uh, you know, now I work from home. You work on, you know, what you do as as far as delivering and producing and creating content um, via the internet. And so, if there was like, and we'll, and if you're open to it, having come back on and kind of dive into that piece of it a little bit more, but just for. Because there's probably, you know, if if there's a hundred listeners out there, there's listening right now. There's probably going to be, you know, seventy-five and going, like, oh, sure, I'd like to do that. And and so, but my guess is is that it's not as easy as it as it sounds, right? Um, and and even though you love music and you love, you know, uh, performing and stuff like that, what would be a, a couple different things that are like? critical if you want to have a presence on any type of platform social media platform what are what are a couple things that you know from your own experience that's critical
1: yeah i mean i preach this also all the time to people that ask me about my channel and you know how do i like people that aspire to want to create their own youtube channel i uh, the things that i share with them is is showing up and being consistent you know there's been periods where as a creator you create content and you don't exactly get the result that you're expecting. And you kind of, there's a, there's a, you know, a a natural tendency to say, Oh, this isn't working. Maybe I should just stop doing this altogether, but no, it's, it's choosing to stay consistent. It's kind of like marriage, you know, like you're going to have so many different ups and downs. Um, You know, there's going to, I mean, in my own marriage, there's been points where we've, we've thought like, Can this continue? Can this marriage continue to work? And we've said, you know what? We're going to continue to show up. We're going to continue to fight because it is worth it. And, you know, like we're here today and it's, you know, God has done a lot of things in our story uh, together as as a couple that I know is going to bless so many different people. And and it's the same way with, you know, creating a YouTube channel. Um, to, you know, to extend it, when I started my YouTube channel back in 2017, my first six months, I didn't receive anything above a hundred subscribers. It was, it was very small. Um, you know, and so someone listening to me right now would, would have thought six months and only a hundred subscribers. Like, why are you still waste? Why were you wasting your time? But I just knew that if I continued to just work at it and I had some mentors as well, who they have a huge YouTube channel about almost 4 million subscribers now. And they were telling me when you start a YouTube channel, it's going to be really hard to gain momentum for those first few months. You just got to keep putting out content because once you get that one video that really, you know, goes viral or, or, you know, receives a lot of attention, you're going to have this whole other library of videos that people can, you know, uh, go to. And, and so I just kept working at it, kept showing up, stayed consistent and, you know, by my seventh month of being a YouTuber, I had a, you know, I had a video really take off. It was a, a tutorial on the song, of how to play perfect by Ed Sheeran, and now that video has, three point two million views. But that was kind of the video that really helped launch my growth and you know start gaining twelve thousand new subscribers every single month. But um, yeah, it went it went from a hundred all of a sudden to a thousand to. Uh, like 10,000 within two months. It was pretty crazy. So you got to be consistent. You got to just show up, even if the results aren't immediate, um, you know, it will eventually, it will, it will eventually happen. Um, and my and guess I, is, and you didn't, you didn't say this, but my guess
0: is Matt that there's also something through your out throughout your whole journey, you, you have learned that you have to stick to being authentic that that there's there is a blessing that comes to sticking to auth- authenticity, even if you're not getting the affirmation that it's being received.
1: Yeah, no, you're you're totally right about that. You know, there's even been challenges in this season now in this year. Uh, you know, when when you're starting a YouTube channel, one of the biggest things is is cultivating the right culture, and uh, you know, I've I've had to really rethink. How do I want to, how, how do I want to be even more authentic to my community? How do I want to present myself as someone who doesn't just provide content, but really provides an opportunity to listen to people, um, and show them that I care. And actually after this podcast, I'm going to be, uh, doing a zoom call with a, with one of my subscribers from all the way from Hong Kong. And I said, Hey, I want to listen to your story. I want to listen to whatever you want to share with me for 20 minutes. Um, absolutely free like I'm not even charging them that that time I'm just simply giving it to them because I want to show them that I care and I think people I had a mentor once tell me people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care yeah. and if if you can project that to people they'll they'll stick by you and they'll they'll be loyal so yeah, yeah.
0: Well I think that's a perfect place and, and I know when I got it, you know, literally, you know, uh, you know, we were down for uh suicide prevention uh, you know, that I uh, company that I had created, you know, a few years ago and yeah. our vice president was down there and you guys started talking and then all of a sudden I don't know something that you said caught my attention and I was like, Did you just and then and I was like, it, it was. Uh, I knew that I wanted to know more about your story, and so, uh, and I knew that I wanted the people that listen to this particular platform, the show. I wanted them to know, uh, you know, that there are some aspects of your story that maybe they can identify with, and 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 we never know, right? We never know when someone needs to hear exactly what you what you share today. So, Matt, as, as we wrap up, if there was if there was one thing for anybody listening today. That you'd want to share with them what would be what would be something you want to close with
1: man i you know there's a lot of people hurting today a lot of people that don't know what the future looks like i mean we've got elections coming up you know there's a lot of people that own businesses that don't know how their businesses are going to thrive in this economy and you know even for me i've had to really remind myself like god's got a plan um we can't see the future we don't we don't know what the entire road looks like, but it's just trusting God with the very next step. And, you know, the Bible says that, that God is a lamp unto our feet. So it's really just choosing to say, you know, I'm, I I don't know what the future looks like, but I'm just going to choose to like trust God and just keep, keep looking at him and, and reminding myself that I'm his child, that, you know, he, he has, you know, he has plans to, for my life to prosper, you know? Um, you know, it's interesting when you just
0: said that and I've, that that imagery that comes with that that passage about a lamp upon your feet, right? It doesn't talk about the lamp illuminating the entire road so you can see exactly where you're going. It's, just, it's exactly just right in front of you. Yes, so, Matt, yeah. thank you very much for being with us. I, I appreciate what you do and your, your story. And uh, i would love to have you back on so we can go into a, maybe a little bit deeper dive about all the, all the ups
1: and downs of what that's been like over the last three years. Sure. Absolutely. I appreciate that. I appreciate you. and I appreciate, you know, what you've done, you know, founding KP counseling you're, you're affecting and impacting so many different lives uh, in Rockford and, you know, I think around the world. Um, so thank you thanks for having me all right my friend
0: i will talk to you soon okay have fun talking to uh someone who's probably it's probably early in the morning over there right now so
1: <laughs> when you
0: get we talk to hong kong so all right we'll talk to you soon
1: all right bye